that might be cool. back to that might be cool that was the mystery skulls with beautiful chase wasn't able to be here this week uh we just had uh, some scheduling conflicts but i figured we'd probably uh stop with that whole trend of you know skipping weeks and all that fun stuff so i am back here uh it is actually a little bit timely to have uh kind of just a an episode here to sort of Go over some of the changes that are going to be happening soon. Um, as some of you might have gleaned from uh, things that have been mentioned on either this podcast or the Savage Land podcast, uh, I'm going to be moving, and since I've been producing both podcasts, um, that means that uh, both will sort of have uh, some changes. So I figured not a better time uh, to go over what will be changing uh, some of the things, just basically to kind of set some expectations and... Uh, that way you know what's going on uh, with some of these. So uh, the first thing is, uh, I uh, obviously, as most of you probably know, we uh, base both podcasts here in uh, Salt Lake City, uh, and that's where uh, myself, Chase, uh, and everybody from the Savage Land podcast are based. Um, so the uh, the first uh, bit of news here, I guess, is that uh, for That Might Be Cool, we will be doing... Um, a bit of a format change. Uh, when I move, this show will be switching more to a uh, an interview style podcast. So I've got uh, some great guests lined up that uh, will be announced uh, shortly uh, within the coming weeks. Um, I'm really excited about a lot of these guests that we have, and I think that uh, as most of you are very uh, nerdy inclined, I guess, as uh, obviously you're listening to a podcast about uh, things like comic books and uh, movies and TV shows. Um, the, the guests that we will be lining up and that we have lined up are all, uh, pretty awesome people in terms of, uh, doing cool things, uh, things that, uh, I'm excited about and, and I hope you guys are all excited about as well as past works, uh, that have been pretty awesome. So, uh, as far as the format of the show, it will be switching to more of a, um, an interview style show rather than, uh, what Chase and I have been doing recently with, uh, you know, news reviews, things like that. So, uh, look for that. Um, as far as the Savage Land goes, uh, Matt will actually, uh, as he already has started to do, um, he will be hosting that show, and then uh, he'll be doing most of the um, on-site producing. So I'll still be handling most of the uh, online, you know, bandwidth uh, hosting things like that for uh, for the actual posting of the show. But uh, when the show is recorded, Matt will be hosting and producing that, um, and they the Savage Land will continue. Um, there will be some changes in format, obviously, uh, but Matt and Rachel will both still be on there. That is, uh, for sure. Uh, we are also working on a third podcast, uh, that I'm really excited about. Um, can't give much details right now, but, uh, I think it'll be a great podcast and, uh, myself and, uh, the others involved with it are very excited about it. Um, and so uh, there will be more news about that uh, if you're following our Facebook or anything um, in our social networks. Uh, you'll be hearing more about that in the next uh, few weeks or months. Um, but that is one that we hope to have going here within uh, within the next couple months. Um, and then uh, we will also be continuing our YouTube videos. Uh, as you may have noticed, if you've been uh, keeping up with our YouTube channel, we have... Uh, We've been uh, about a week and a half now without a new video. Um, the I, I've just had basically some problems recently with uh, the software that I've been using to edit those videos. And so until I'm able to get all that stuff resolved, um, there will be sort of a, a little bit of a pause on the frequency for those videos. We've got a huge backlog of uh, things that uh, I can't wait to get edited and posted. But, uh, you know, some... Uh, some of those problems get in the way sometimes, but that's all right. Um, I will also, uh, over the course of this uh, next, let's see, four or five months, um, I will be appearing at uh, quite a few conventions. So uh, the first one I want to mention is Long Beach Comic Con. Um, I will have uh, 
we'll be doing a that might be cool panel at Long Beach Comic Con. Um, and that is, uh, let's see, in September. Let me get the exact dates here. Okay, so that'll be the weekend of uh, September 16th. I believe it's going uh, the 16th, 17th, and 18th. Uh, but it is definitely that weekend, and then we will have um, a, uh, a That Might Be Cool panel at Long Beach Comic Con. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I will also be the first weekend of September. I will be back in Salt Lake for, um, for Salt Lake Comic Con. Um, and I'll be doing panels at Salt Lake Comic Con probably two or three. Um, not sure yet any uh, definite answers on which panels those will be. Um, but I will be back in Salt Lake for that. Um, in addition to those, I'll also be at LA Cosplay Con just as a media guest. I won't be doing any panels there, uh, as well as NerdBot Con. Um, in, uh, in October around Halloween, I'll be at Kamikaze probably on a panel. Um, but, uh, that's so far away out that we don't really, uh, don't really have too much set in stone there. Um, and then in September as well, the third convention I'll be at in September is, uh, Vegas Comic Expo. Um, be there as a media guest. And then, uh, um, I will be going to San Diego Comic-Con. Obviously, that is a huge convention, and I am in no way uh, anywhere close to being qualified to getting uh, media credentials for that. So, I will be there. It'll be fun, but uh, don't expect to see me doing anything uh, interesting or awesome. Um, and so that's uh, kind of over the next uh, you know couple months, you can expect to see content continuing to come out from, uh, from the whole TMBC family. Uh, with us, with Savage Land, and with our YouTube channel, but the uh, the regularity of that might be a little different than what you're used to, just temporarily while uh, while I get moved and settled in, and uh, you know get things worked out that way. Um, but uh, one thing I'm excited about is we do have a new website that might be cool. com. It is uh, a lot more simple than our old one was. If uh, if you ever went to the old one, it was a little bit of a nightmare. Uh, so this one's a little more simplified. Uh, we'll be hosting all of our podcasts from uh, the same website. So it'll be easy to access everything. Uh, right now, this podcast is uh, already switched over and being hosted on this website. Uh, over the next uh, week or so, I'll be working on getting Savage Land switched over. And then all of the podcasts uh, that we will uh, expand in the uh, TMBC Productions line uh, will be hosted on this website as well. So that third podcast I previously mentioned, and then uh, any other podcast that'll be coming after that. Um, and then, uh, in regards to our YouTube videos, uh, a lot of those are gaming related and we usually do, uh, you know, let's play type videos. We have our game on series and then a few others that we have planned. Um, if you're on PlayStation or Xbox, uh, go ahead and add the gamer tag or username, whatever they call it on PlayStation. Um, that might be cool. And that way, uh, when we are doing a lot of those videos, if you happen to be online, you can jump on and join in on, uh, some of the fun with our videos. Cause, uh, we have a lot of fun making them. And so it'd be great to have, uh, some more of you guys on there. Um, as far as, uh, as far as some of the things that aren't quite as, uh, set in stone, um, we do, we do have a few things that, uh, we are developing. Like I said, there, uh, are more podcasts and video series that, uh, we've been working on and kind of, uh, in sort of, you know, planning and developing, uh, for whenever we will be able to get a lot of that stuff done. You know, time is obviously an issue in some cases, um, We've been uh, working on some animated series and some fun little shorts um, that we will be putting on our channel, uh, but that is one of those things that uh, is definitely a lot less certain in terms of uh, the time window that uh, we will be putting those out in. So, uh, you know, keep an eye out for that, but those are kind of some things that are on the back burner for now. Um, With all of these changes going on, really what we want to focus on is uh, getting everything set in terms of uh, format, you know, the new format for both shows going forward, um, getting everything together that's necessary to, uh, keep Savage Land going after I, uh, take my ball and go home, so to speak, um, because I, uh, currently, you know, do have most of the equipment that we're using to record both shows. So we're getting all that together for Savage Land, um, and then, uh, over the next few weeks will be really sort of the growing pains of, uh, getting both shows straightened out and, and kind of into a, uh, regular order, uh, and, and feeling more natural again, uh, with the changes. So I hope you can be patient with us, uh, through that period and understand there, there may be some, uh, some weeks where we don't have an episode up. I, uh, I hope that isn't the case and we're going to do everything that we can to make sure that's not the case, but sometimes there are, uh, 
issues that come up that are uh, not easy to prevent. So that being said, um, if you have any uh, feedback for us of, you know, what you've uh, seen or heard from us over the last, you know, year and a half that we've been doing these things, um, any any suggestions or feedback or, you know, maybe things that uh, that you think would be really cool in the future, um, feel free to uh, send us an email, us at thatmightbecool.com, or tweet us uh, at thatmightbecool, any social network at thatmightbecool. Uh, reach out to us. We'll be glad to to answer and interact with you. Um, we do absolutely love hearing from uh, the people that listen to our shows and, you know, watch our videos and things like that. So that's uh, that's pretty much it for the changes and recap. Um, that will all be happening pretty soon. Uh, I'm going to be moving here. Well, uh, in all likelihood within the next week. So uh, some of those changes are coming uh, pretty quick. Um, but like I said, I am very excited for the future of, uh, of this whole sort of uh, family that we have here um, with Savage Land, with That Might Be Cool, uh, and with a lot of the things that we'll be working on in the future. Um, it is just really exciting, and uh, I can't wait to start announcing some of the guests that uh, we're going to be having on the show uh, because I'm really excited to talk to them and, and kind of, you know, find out more information and uh, geek out a little bit uh, just like uh, any of us do when we're listening to some of those really awesome people that we admire. So without further ado, uh, I think it's time that we uh, carry it on into just some of the regular programming, probably be a little lighter than most weeks, just because it's a one-man show this week, and I'm not quite as uh, entertaining as Chase. So uh, let's go ahead and carry that on over right now. All right, so we got some news this week. Um, some of it is uh, a little more negative than uh, than typical, and and others uh, I'm really excited about. So we'll start off with uh, the news that apparently Star Wars Rogue One is uh, undergoing some pretty intense reshoots right now. Now reshoots have been a topic that uh, whenever they come up. They generate a whole lot of uh, a feeling of negativity as though the studio is not happy with uh, with what they're seeing out of a movie or, um, you know, there are certain disagreements or whatever. And so uh, the news that's been coming along with this uh, with these Rogue One reshoot reports um, is that Disney is not happy with uh, with the cut that they currently have of Rogue One. And so they're ordering some massive reshoots to uh I guess, rectify problems or uh, any issues that they may have. However, I think some of those rumors are a bit uh, blown out of proportion. I would be very doubtful that throughout the entire process of, uh, of writing the screenplay for the, for the movie, for shooting it, everything that they go through with a franchise like Star Wars... Uh, with the Lucasfilm committee as well as uh, the Disney oversight, there's just a lot of there would be a lot of points at which a red flag would have been raised if there were issues uh, story-wise or continuity-wise or anything like that. And so I don't think it's as big of an issue as uh, some people think it might be. Uh, With these reshoots, it could be that maybe they uh, weren't happy with uh, the look and feel of some of the action scenes because typically when reshoots have this big of a budget, they are for action scenes. And so I don't think it's anything to do with, uh, you know, story or tone or anything like that. There just may be certain things that, uh, that didn't quite work as well as they had hoped for uh, some of the looks of those action scenes. You know, we've seen a lot of shots of the giant AT-ATs on the, you know, what looks like the Beach of Normandy um, and a lot of things like that. So I'm sure there are some very large set pieces and sort of uh, tentpole action scenes in this film that uh, maybe they just want to get a second go at. And so... I, I'm not really alarmed by this news, as many people seem to be. Uh, they know what they're doing. They've, they've proven at Disney that uh, they will consistently release quality films no matter what. Uh, whether it's with the Marvel franchise, the Star Wars franchise, or any of their Disney franchises, be it animated or not. Um, you look at their track record over the last three or four years, and it's pretty solid. So I'd be very surprised if any of these... Uh, reported issues with Star Wars Rogue One were anything significant. 
Uh, but that that's my take on it. I think that uh, Gareth Edwards is a, a really talented director, and I'd be very surprised if this was a situation like uh, like 20th Century Fox had with Josh Trank. I think it's more just trying to get a uh, you know a, a different look at things, or you know some shots that uh, work a little better. Moving on though into a, another uh, Disney property, we've got Thor Ragnarok. Um, Joe Blow this week has been lighting up on uh, some reported details on Thor Ragnarok. Um, and a lot of these seem pretty likely, and Joe Blow has a great history of uh, delivering pretty reliable information when they do. Uh, so with this one, I think it's uh, more on the side of pretty possible with the things they're reporting. So uh, first of all, um, the the I guess biggest news or kind of the thing that a lot of people expected to happen is that uh, this film will not just be a Thor film, but it will also be integrating many elements from the Planet Hulk storyline, which, uh, if you're not familiar with the comics, is a storyline where uh, the Marvel Illuminati, which consists of uh, Reed Richards, Tony Stark, uh, T'Challa, Doctor Strange, Professor X, uh, let's see, and I think that was it at the time, oh, and uh, Namor, um, they decide that, uh, the Hulk is too dangerous, uh, to remain on earth and they, uh, subdue him and shoot him off to a remote planet where he, uh, will be able to live in peace and, uh, basically hunt game and survive as the Hulk. Uh, however, that plan gets derailed when the Hulk wakes up mid flight and, uh, diverts the course of the ship in his rage and ends up on a, uh, very hostile and savage planet and, uh, well, the story takes off from there. Um, with the way that we saw Hulk end up in Age of Ultron, it did seem to somewhat uh, mirror and um, bring homage to that storyline with the Hulk basically sending himself off to parts unknown uh, in that Quinjet. So when they announced that uh, the Hulk would be part of Thor Ragnarok, it did seem pretty likely that uh, in some way that would uh, become the story. Um it's also been reported that uh, Valkyrie will be uh, will be in this film. Um, she'll be played by uh, let's see, Tessa. I think her last name was Thompson uh, from Creed. And uh, and the other thing that uh, is being reported by Joe Blow is that for part of the film, at least, uh, or for a large portion of the film, Thor will be sporting a shaved head, um, which is a very unique uh, look for Goldilocks there, and uh, it's not one that I'm certain anybody's used to, really, with Chris Hemsworth. But uh, what that does seem to suggest, uh, if you take a lot of this news uh, combined, it seems like the sort of Planet Hulk aspect of this may be that uh, there ends up being some sort of intergalactic gladiator ring or something like that that... uh, Hulk, Thor, and uh, Valkyrie all get tossed into, maybe including some other people. Um, it does not, however, seem like they will be integrating uh, the character of Ragnarok from the comics, uh, which is a clone of Thor that uh, Tony Stark created. Now, obviously, there are many reasons uh, to suggest that that definitely will not happen. Uh, first and foremost, that there have been really no hints at anybody having the capability to recreate someone like Thor. Um, But uh, second off, um, the reports seem to indicate that uh, the title of Ragnarok does refer to the uh, Norse mythological event of Ragnarok, which is the end times. Um, And the reported storyline is that uh, Thor and Hulk basically band together to prevent uh, or to, to seek out what they need in order to prevent Ragnarok. Now, there are two uh, Infinity Gems, or Infinity Stones as they call them in the films, that haven't been revealed yet in any of the films, and those gems are the Time Gem and the Soul Gem. Um, Much of the speculation around Doctor Strange seems to suggest that the Soul Gem uh, will end up being the Eye of Agamotto, which essentially grants Doctor Strange his his seat on the throne as the uh, protector of Earth uh, from the mythological realm. Uh, any comic book nerds that, uh, are a little more into Dr. Strange than I am, feel free to correct me if I, uh, didn't quite get that wrong, but that's what I feel like is pretty accurate on there. But granted, uh, I have not read very much Dr. Strange at all. So, uh, anyway, with, with all that, uh, being suggested, then the time gem would be the only one left to reveal. And with Ragnarok being the literal end of the world or end of the universe, uh, 
it doesn't seem likely that uh, that event will actually you know, come to bear in the Marvel Cinematic Universe since there are films planned after Thor Ragnarok. Uh, so what that might suggest is that uh, the end times come upon them and the only thing that they can do to possibly salvage the universe and the world is to get the time gem, go back in time, and uh, prevent those things from happening. So with all that sort of put together and combined, it seems like they're... Uh, inciting incident that brings uh, Thor, Hulk, and possibly Valkyrie together is some form of gladiator ring. Maybe it involves the Collector. Uh, and then uh, the end times come, and Thor and Hulk must uh, go on a quest to find the time gem and, uh, you know, restore balance to the universe, save the day, all that fun stuff. So that's what I think. But uh, either way, that's really exciting. And uh, with uh, Tai Waikiki, I think is how you say his last name, directing the film it promises to be really fun um and a lot more lighthearted than uh some of the previous thor films have been so i really see no downside in uh, in all the news coming out about this movie i'm really excited for it uh, but moving on to a movie that uh, came out this week was x-men apocalypse uh chase and i both saw that together and there have definitely been some very mixed reviews on this film um i personally liked it a lot I really enjoyed Oscar Isaac's performance as Apocalypse. Uh, the way that they uh, mixed his voice with how they recorded it um, and just really made it sound almost otherworldly, uh, I thought was really impressive. And he always had a presence on screen. And uh, he, was very, he was very understated a lot of the time. When he would get angry and when he would get uh, agitated, he would start to become larger than life um, in just his presence and, and the way that he sort of commanded attention. Um, but then in the moments when he was talking to people, uh, like the first moments with Magneto and the first moments with any of his horsemen, he was very calm, very almost serene. Um, and I really liked that presence. And uh, as far as some of the problems uh, that other people have, I don't seem to agree with many of them. Um, a lot of people have been complaining about characters um, and that uh, n not a lot of them were given much to do uh, or that they didn't seem to have any personality. I disagree with that. I mean, they they definitely had less, um, you know, I guess moments to just sort of express themselves than a lot of uh, a lot of films would have given new characters. Uh, however, I think they were in some ways uh, foregoing that because all of these characters that we're seeing have been established before, albeit by different actors in a different time period. Uh, I don't think they felt there was as much they really needed to do with, uh, with setup for many of these characters. Uh, but that being said, I think that, uh, we were able to get a pretty good feel for all of their personalities, especially, uh, Scott Summers. Um, you know, he was given ample opportunity to shine in uh, a lot of his dialogue. And I think that, uh, Ty Sheridan did a great job, uh, portraying him and, uh, you know, Storm, kind of got hawk-eyed a little bit uh, where she was under the control of a villain or I guess under the influence of a villain uh, for most of the movie. And so really we only got to see her shine um, in the moments before Apocalypse sort of uh, brings her over to his side and uh, just a little bit uh, after everything has uh, resolved. Um, but I, uh, I really enjoyed her and I, I enjoyed Nightcrawler and all the changes. Um, I did feel like uh, turning Mystique into basically Katniss was uh, a little bit of a, a weird choice, uh, especially given that uh, Jennifer Lawrence hasn't quite been delivering the performance that uh, she does in other films uh, with this X-Men franchise. But that's just me. I mean, obviously, people love Mystique and people love Jennifer Lawrence. So uh, whenever they can, they're going to give her uh, as big of a story as possible. Um I, I thought this film was a great springboard for the new direction of the X-Men films. Um, you know, it kind of acts as really the, uh, the divider between, you know, the, the first class Days of Future Past um, sort of universe where things are kind of establishing what the X-Men are and establishing uh, Xavier and Magneto and, and Mystique and really stepping into more of the actual full-on X-Men phase of things where... They've gotten past the sort of growing pains and they are into the part where now they really are the X-Men. It's, it's going full steam ahead. There's no time travel. There's no uh, confusion on whether or not they should establish the X-Men. Um, and so it brings us into the type of uh, X-Men that we 
have seen in X-Men comics for, for so long where it's just sort of a certainty and it's a, it's a constant that the X-Men are there, they do exist, they are a team, and uh, more than that, they are sort of a family. Um, there, were, there were some problems that I had with the film. Uh, they didn't really take away from my enjoyment of it. However, uh, certain moments were a bit clunky. I did feel like Magneto in this film, when, uh, when we pick up and establish where he's at, it did have an uncanny resemblance to uh, where Logan was at in X-Men Origins Wolverine uh, in almost every way. You know, he's off in some remote place working a blue-collar job. Uh, he's got a wife. Uh, in this case, they've added a kid as well. Um, you know, but he's, he's very happy just not being a mutant, not letting anybody, uh, really bother them and, and just live in this sort of remote isolated life when, uh, you know, tragedy strikes because he uses his powers to save somebody, uh, and then they get scared and come after him because they think he is Magneto, the one who, uh, supposedly killed one president JFK and then attempted to kill another one, uh, Richard Nixon. So obviously uh, they weren't too cool with him living in their neighborhood. Uh, and then craziness happens. His daughter controls some birds. It scares these police dudes. And uh, and one of them fires an arrow that goes straight through his daughter into his wife and kills both of them. And then you have just a really awkward scene of him trying to grasp both of their bodies as he uh, murders all the men with a locket and then screams up into the sky about, uh, is this who I am or whatever. That was a really, really rough and awkward scene, uh, for me, especially when he starts yelling at the sky. Uh, that's one of those tropes that just constantly bugs me whenever it's brought into a film. Uh, a lot more than even dream sequences bug me. Um, and so that, that was a little weird. Uh, and then some aspects of the third act uh, were definitely a bit clunky. It was odd that uh, the great and amazing powers that Apocalypse demonstrated at the beginning of the film when he cuts people's heads off with sand and things like that, uh, he did not bother to use um, when he's fighting the X-Men at the end. Uh, however, there are certain explanations for that, like the distance that he was away from the building or all that stuff, you know, because I guess there's only certain material that he can use for that. Uh, you know... It is what it is, uh, and especially in a comic book movie, there will oftentimes be some pretty serious third act problems. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, again, it, it is what it is. It's not anything masterful. You know, X-Men Apocalypse wasn't uh, the greatest film ever made or anything like that, but I thought it was very enjoyable, and any complaints are pretty nitpicky, and I think the good outweighs the bad in this case. Um, the introduction of Phoenix was incredible, uh, I really enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed all of the horsemen. I enjoyed all the new X-Men. Uh, I didn't find much major to complain about. And I think, uh, at this point with a lot of these films, uh, people are finding things to complain about that they normally wouldn't notice because if you look at any film and especially any, uh, genre film like these sci-fi or, or superhero films, there are going to be problems uh, with how the, these resolutions happen. There are going to be problems with character establishment um, no film is really perfect, you know, I mean, even, even the Star Wars films, especially in some cases, the Star Wars films, and not even just the prequels, but the original trilogy, uh, if you really look at, at a film like Return of the Jedi and try to dissect it, there are a whole lot of pro plot problems that are, uh, a lot more prevalent than some of the recent movies that have been, uh, panned and criticized for having plot holes. Um, and so I think we're just getting more hypersensitive to it, and, uh, it's hurting our ability to enjoy some films that we should be enjoying. I think any X-Men fan should should love the fact that the Age of Apocalypse storyline got an adaptation that was actually comprehensible. Because uh, if you look at the source material uh, for Apocalypse, it's not that great. It's uh, it's arguably as mired and, and weird as the uh, Death and Return of Superman, um, which is, I guess, just par for the course uh, with the 90s comics. And so the fact that we were able to get anything this good out of that villain and that story arc, uh, I think is great. And, and seriously, I absolutely enjoyed this film. Um, and I think almost all of the criticisms I've seen for it have been pretty nitpicky. Uh, now that being said, um, I am really sick of people looking at, uh, comic book storylines and film storylines that are loosely adapted from that comic book and getting mad because it's not the same. Um, the word adaptation 
has a connotation of it that means there will be adjustments made in order to fit the context or format. Uh, you know, if, if they were looking to keep the exact same storyline, that would be a translation. That would be translating this Age of Apocalypse storyline into the, you know, language of film. Uh, but they're not doing that. They didn't do it with Civil War. They didn't do it with Winter, Winter Soldier. Uh, they haven't done it with really any comic book uh, movie because it doesn't work the same way, especially when you have a universe and an established context. You can't just haphazardly throw all of these story elements and not have it fit into that universe. And so, especially the longer we go with more of these adaptations, the less uh, closely a lot of them will be to their, their source material. They, they're not going to be beholden to that just uh, to appease comic book fans. At the end of the day, you have to tell the best story you can and make the best movie you can. Um, and we saw it especially with the uh, Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, obviously, he never gave any of his films uh, the same title as a previous comic book. He gave them similar titles, like The Dark Knight Rises being very similar to The Dark Knight Returns. Uh, but with all of his films, you can see him sort of... Um, picking and choosing certain elements of, of various stories to integrate there. And so with, uh, with Batman Begins, there was a lot pulled from um, Batman Year One and then a lot pulled from uh, a lot of the Denny O'Neill um, and Neil Adams uh, Batman work with Ra's al Ghul and various things like that. Um, and then in The Dark Knight, it was sort of an amalgamation of uh, a lot of Jeff Loeb Batman work with uh, Long Halloween and Dark Victory combined with um, certain things like The Man Who Laughs and uh, and even some Arkham Asylum. Um, and then with The Dark Knight Rises, there were some heavy influences from uh, Batman No Man's Land, a lot from uh, Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, uh, and a few more like Nightfall and things like that thrown in. And, you know, personally, I think that's the best way to do uh, these comic book adaptations because some of those stories just do not translate to film. Um, no matter how hard you're going to try, there are certain things that will just not quite work on screen that do work on the page. And honestly, I don't see the point of taking a comic book storyline and directly translating it for film, because if you want that story, just go read the comic. It already exists. You know, movies don't exist just to see the same exact thing, but in motion on a screen. They exist to tell a different story, a story that you can only get out of film. You know, comic books don't have sound. Comic books don't have that same type of feel, and there's a lot that needs to be implied in your head from comic books. And so trying to adapt that feeling that you get in your head as you're reading along the same way you would with a novel, it just doesn't work because it's not going to be the same thing for everybody. And so when you try to do that, all you're going to end up doing is making a really crappy product. Um... So anyway, that's that's just kind of the rant of the week uh, with the things that I've been seeing on a lot of social media in regards to uh, complaints about not only this film, but also uh, Civil War and even stemming back to uh, Batman versus Superman. Uh, I just think it's unreasonable to uh, to expect anybody to make a an adaptation that is uh, directly pulled from the pages of one specific comic book and, and no liberties taken with that material. Uh, but anyway, I'll end that rant, uh, and move on into something that I am, uh, really excited about, uh, DC Rebirth. So this is the new, uh, 80 page comic that was released from DC Comics, uh, this last week. Um, and it is sort of, uh, beforehand I thought that this was going to be kind of a starting point for a new direction, um, or a jumping on point for that new direction that, uh, DC has taken, um, and it is definitely a starting point uh, for that direction, but I don't think it's as much of a jumping on point as I initially thought, uh, meaning that I don't think this is quite a uh, cohesive story for new readers to jump on and understand what's going on. Uh, for instance, I, I've been a, a longtime DC reader, um, and I read this, this story, DC Rebirth, and was totally filled with joy. Uh, there were certain things in this comic that had been missing from DC Comics uh, for years now, uh, since long before the New 52, which was their previous reboot, was started. Um, and I really enjoyed reading this book. Uh, I bought four copies of it and uh, gave them to a few of my friends. Um, and many of them liked it. Many that had context for the DC Universe really liked it. Um, you know, people who have 
watched previous uh, DC, you know, cartoons, movies, or read any of their comics, uh, and especially some of the animated movies, can pick this book up and, and really enjoy it. However, uh, if you don't have much context for DC characters at all, so uh, for instance, Matt from the Savage Land, he and I were talking about it, and he uh, did not enjoy this comic book at all. Um, and the reason being, is, as we kind of talked about it, the, the big reason was he doesn't know these characters. He has not had any sort of established relationship uh, with the characters shown in this book, and so a lot of the context for the things that are happening here uh, were missing for him. And so I say all that because if you do not have context for DC, uh, for DC characters in the DC universe at all, then I wouldn't bother picking up this uh, DC Rebirth 80-page book. But if you are looking to get into DC Comics, uh, then today as you're listening to this, there are new DC books released uh, that are intended to be jumping on points for new readers. Um, and so you'll see, if you go into any comic book store, you'll see new issues uh, that are titled with the character's name or the series name, uh, colon Rebirth. So you'll see issues like Superman Rebirth, uh, Green Arrow Rebirth, and, and other titles like that, Batman Rebirth, on the shelves there. Uh, and I would definitely recommend picking some of those up for any character that you might be interested in. Uh, and giving them a read because these are some great starting and, and jumping on points uh, for what promises to be a, a great new universe. Um, however, if you do, if you if you are a fan of DC, you know if you've watched some of these animated movies that they have or any of the TV shows that uh, that they've released over the past you know decade or so, even longer than that, maybe about the last twenty years. Um, I would definitely recommend picking up DC Rebirth uh, because I think that it's it's a great book to read. I mean, anybody with with even a bit of context for uh, for these characters, I think, can thoroughly enjoy it. <clears throat> and with that being said, uh, I want to get into some of my thoughts on it. Um, I think the big thing that uh, that really just seemed to absolutely fly off of the pages was the amount of heart in this book. Uh, so. And and this will be you know spoilers for those who haven't read it yet. But the premise of this book is that uh, Wally West, um, who was the second Flash um, and also the first Kid Flash, uh, has been basically lost in a uh, in sort of a time stream uh, for a few years now, uh, and he has been watching all of his friends, uh, including his mentor Barry Allen, live somewhat of a uh, of a skewed existence in a universe that's unfamiliar to him. Uh, and this is all sort of a parallel for the New 52 in DC Comics. Uh, in 2011, DC rebooted their universe uh, to a very, very mixed degree of success. Um, many of their characters enjoyed a, a great sort of new life and, and new storylines, um, that, that were very well received, uh, namely Batman, um, Aquaman, and some other characters like that. But there were a lot of characters in their universe that uh, kind of got the short end of the stick on that reboot and were just sort of missing something. Um, and so Wally West is watching this universe exist and just kind of seeing that there's, there's just something missing, that all of all these people in his life have something missing from them because there are relationships that used to be established. Uh, like for instance, green arrow and black canary, uh, used to be either married or were in a very long-term relationship. Uh, whereas in the new 52, they hardly knew each other at all. Um, there was a group of heroes called the justice society, uh, which was basically the, um, the old guard of superheroes, the heroes that existed kind of before the justice league was ever formed and had taken it upon themselves to, train some of the newer heroes. Uh, that Justice League, or the Justice Society, consisted of uh, people like Jay Garrick, who if you've uh, been watching The Flash, you definitely know. And uh, no, not the evil Jay Garrick, but the real one uh, who who turned out to be, you know, basically an old, retired, uh, alternate version of The Flash. Uh, that Jay Garrick was established in previous DC continuity as a, a, you know, older, sort of retired hero that had been training new heroes along with um alan scott the original green lantern uh wildcat ted cord who if you watch arrow you'll know him um and a few other heroes and uh the justice society was 
entirely missing from the New 52. They were on a different Earth as younger people and basically just an alternate version of the Justice League. And so as Wally is sort of just lost in this uh, time stream, um, the the reason for that being that uh, when the New 52 was first started, he was a character that was actually completely cut out of continuity. Uh, so this character that uh, had been with readers for... Uh, about 30 years, maybe more, uh, was just missing. And uh, it was a shame because it was a character that readers had grown with. Uh, They were first introduced to Wally West as just a kid who was Barry Allen's uh, nephew and and just admired the guy. You know, Barry was his hero, um, and he really looked up to the Flash uh, and and aspired to be like him. And so then one day, uh, as he's in the Flash's, uh, or Barry's forensics office with him, uh, the same accident that happened to Barry happened to Wally, and uh, he gets superpowers. Yeah, comic book trope, whatever, you know, thin origin, doesn't matter. Uh, he, but he does get the, the powers of the Flash. And so then he decides to uh, become, you know, the Flash's sidekick, and he loves it. You know, he's having a, a sort of a Spider-Man-like time with his powers where he's really enjoying just being a hero and helping people. Um, and so then over the course of 20, 30 years, he grows up and uh, eventually Barry Allen actually sacrifices himself, uh, saving the entire universe in, uh, in a comic book called Crisis on Infinite Earths. And Wally, uh, inspired by that and, and kind of heartbroken over that, decides that uh, it's time for him to step into that mantle and become the Flash. And then for about, uh, about 10 years... Uh, Wally West, or actually maybe even longer than that, Wally West was the Flash. Yeah, it was about 15 years. Um, and so readers came to know Wally West as the Flash. Uh, in fact, he was the Flash in the Justice League animated series. If you ever watched that, uh, Barry Allen was never even introduced in that series. Um, and so then in 2011, uh, when they decide that Wally West is just no longer going to exist in this new universe, uh, people got a bit upset. And uh, it presented even more of a problem when the new version of Barry Allen started to resemble Wally West more and more and sort of just take over that vacant spot. Um, You know, that this one character is now occupying the space that two used to. Um, And they ended up in the New 52 introducing a a new version of Wally West, uh, who was very much different from... uh, the previous one in that uh, he had um, more of a rough upbringing. He was, uh, he had some criminal history uh, and they also changed his race. They made him uh, black rather than uh, a white ginger as he had previously been. And so if you've watched uh, the flash TV sh- series, um, the Wally West that appears in uh, this series is definitely very close to the new 52 version of Wally West. Um, and that Wally West was, was good and all people liked that Wally West and it was definitely a a great idea to bring more diversity into the universe however he was by no stretch of the imagination the same character and not because of race but more because of the origin that he had been given and and the particular personality that that uh, he had kind of been assigned because of that and so there was still something missing um and the concept of rebirth is basically that uh, the entire new 52 continuity um was created sort of as a, as this scheme, I guess, by a higher power. And we're not sure who, um, but Wally West has been watching it unfold and has just been torn apart by all of his loved ones um, not even remembering him. The people that he grew up with, the people that he always admired, uh, the people that he was, that he was teammates with for many years uh, don't even remember him ever existing, uh, including uh, his, his previous wife, Linda. Um, and so he's heartbroken over that, and he's just looking for a way to get himself back into the universe so that he can help right the ship and uh, and restore love to this universe. Um, and he he appears, you know, he he gets a chance. the The universe is kind of rippling, and it's it's seeing some sort of um, disturbance. And so in that, he's getting the chance to actually break through in some way where people can see him a little bit. Um, and so he decides first to go to Batman. So he appears to Batman and is telling Batman um, that he needs his help, that Batman needs to try and pull him through, um, you know, and make contact with him so that he can, you know, so that he can come into the universe so that he can help him and, and restore love and restore these basically 10 years that have been missing from uh, this world. Uh, but Batman is unable to do so. He's, he's you know, unsure of what he's seeing. 
Uh, so then Wally decides that he's going to try, um, try to get Linda Park to recognize him. You know, basically, if somebody can recognize him and remember him, then that will bring him into the universe. That will bring him back into reality, so that he's not lost in the in the Speed Force forever. So he goes to Linda um, and tries desperately to remind her of who he is and and to get her to remember him, and she doesn't. Um, and that's the moment where he kind of breaks because if if Linda is unable to remember him, then nobody probably will. And so in sort of his last moments, he decides um, that he's going to go to Barry Allen. And uh, and he's already kind of given up at this point, but he just wants to let Barry know how much he appreciated uh, his love, his friendship, and, uh, and his mentoring throughout the years and how much he inspired him and how much he was grateful for uh, the leadership that Barry gave him. Um, and so in that moment, he appears to Barry, he thanks him, um, and, and Barry obviously is very confused, um, seeing another speedster just appear to him, especially one with the same name of, of a kid that he already knows, but obviously looking very different. Um, and, uh, and in those last couple moments as Wally is resigned to, to death, basically, as he's going, this is my last moment. You know, I'm sorry that I wasn't able to make it back through, but I just want you to know that, that you know, that I, I really looked up to you and I appreciated everything that you did. Um, and in that moment, Barry, something snaps, uh, and it seems as if it was something in the Speed Force uh, that was kind of connecting them. Uh, but Barry does remember who Wally was, and they they share an embrace. Um, and, uh, and it's just kind of this moment that, for me, and, and I know for a lot of other people, was just really powerful. Um, it felt like sort of the moment that the DC universe, as it should be, the 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 strong, you know, legacy imbued, love imbued DC universe uh, was back, and that was sort of the moment that just embodied that. Um, and so, the, I just had a, a swell of emotion reading that moment and seeing that reunion. And the nice thing is that. Uh, bringing back the old Wally West does not mean they are going to abandon the new one. Um, as they explain it in continuity, which really is the best way they could have explained it uh, with keeping both characters, because both characters are great, um, is basically that uh, Wally, New 52 Wally's um, uncle was sort of estranged from the family and uh, he had never really known him. And so uh, Wally's mom and Wally's uncle had not been talking to each other or anything like that. And, uh, and so they ended up both having sons and naming them the same name. And so now there are just two Wally Wests. I don't know if they're going to have different middle names or how they're going to differentiate. Um, but I'm glad they kept both of them. I mean, it's, it's sort of a, you know, it's a very thin, uh, cover up for having both characters, but there wasn't really much of a better option they could have had. So I'm okay with it. Uh, but the final moment of this comic book, um, was something that pissed off a lot of fans, um, but excited a lot of them as well. And that is that there is a reveal that uh, this whole sort of machination, this, uh, this new 52 universe and, and, you know, this basically robbery of, of 10 years of their lives and of the love that they had felt uh, was all done by Dr. Manhattan from the Watchmen, the all powerful being that uh, was always somewhat uh, separated from humanity. Um, and, the thing that I enjoyed most about that reveal that this was all done by Dr. Manhattan and that he is kind of the new big villain in the DC universe. The thing that I enjoyed about that was that it's more of a, a metatextual commentary than anything, because essentially what the writer Jeff Johns is saying when, uh, when he establishes Dr. Manhattan as the cause of this sort of uh, grim and loveless universe is that the effect of a comic book like Watchmen on this genre in general uh, has been a very pessimistic one. Um, and, and people like Alan Moore and people like Frank Miller, their work on superheroes, albeit very great and very influential, was also very pessimistic. Um, and so when comics have been influenced so much by people who almost look down on the medium itself, and especially on superheroes, when you have a universe of superheroes that is being written by people who are trying to emulate people who hated superheroes, it just doesn't work. Um, and we saw that with with Batman v Superman, 
Um, and we've seen that with quite a few other uh, adaptations because most of them have been too heavily influenced by these books like Watchmen or Dark Knight Returns. Um, and Zack Snyder is somebody who especially sticks out like a sore thumb because all of his comic book work has been adaptations of either works by Alan Moore or works by Frank Miller. Um, and so this dark, dour, grim tone that these comics have, have taken was directly influenced by the Watchmen. Um, and so establishing Dr. Manhattan as this villain, as this person who caused this this universe that was somewhat devoid of love, uh, is really saying that we can't continue to take that book as the seminal work in superhero comics. We can't continue to try and emulate that tone and be so pessimistic about this type of story, that we have to take a different approach to it, that we have to look up to the sky again instead of down at the ground. Um, and it's one of the reasons why the character of Superman just never quite worked in the New 52 and, and hasn't worked in Man of Steel because he hasn't been an aspirational character. Um, you look at Captain America in these uh, new Marvel movies, and he is a character who is constantly optimistic, never changing, um, and somebody who will always fight for the right and is not going to compromise on his beliefs or morals. Um, and that's, that's exactly what Superman has not been recently. And, uh, and that just serves as sort of a, I guess, a beacon for the rest of the issues uh, with those comics. Because if Superman isn't allowed to be optimistic, isn't allowed to be happy, isn't allowed to be the, you know, what some would call cheesy uh, Boy Scout that he is, then nobody else can be. Because he, he is the one that, that should almost at all times be that person. And he's sort of the gold standard for being the, the big blue Boy Scout. And so when he's not able to, then other people like the Flash, like, you know, Green Arrow, like Green Lantern and a lot of other people are sort of brought down with him because they can never be more more optimistic and more hopeful than Superman because that's his thing. You know, he stands for hope. Um, and so this was somewhat of just a, a declaration that the new direction for these comics is not going to be the, you know, attempting to recreate Alan Moore or Frank Miller, that this is going to be the hopeful approach, you know, the, the things that have made the new Marvel cinematic universe work, the things that have made the flash TV show work and many other adaptations like that has not been, you know, grim and gritty cynicism, but rather an optimism in storytelling. And it doesn't mean that you can't tell deep emotional stories as we see with stories like the winter soldier, like civil war and like uh, both seasons of the flash, they can get very deep. They can get very emotional. But at the end of the day, the heart of those characters is still there. It's still beating strong. And, and no matter what, Barry Allen is always going to do what he can do to help people. And no matter what, Captain America is going to do what he can do to keep people free. Um, and, uh, and that's something that it looks like is, is finally back in DC Comics. And, and that was one of those things that made me fall in love with them in the first place, as well as reintroducing the legacy of these characters. You know, Because it is a universe where mantles are passed down from one character to another. Um, you know, it's something that has happened on occasion in Marvel comics, um, but it's sort of a mainstay of the DC universe that, uh, you know, eventually a hero either gets too old um, or retires or sacrifices himself or, or what have it. And the, the mantle or the legacy of their name is passed on to another. Um, and the flash is a, a big example of that. And it's even happened with Batman before, and it's happened with many heroes, uh, even when it's temporary. Um, and that's something they kind of shied away from in the new 52, uh, quite a bit. Um, and so I'm just really glad to see that type of storytelling back. I mean, we've talked about it on the show, uh, probably endlessly, <laughs> um, about how pessimism and cynicism does not need to be a storytelling device uh, with these, that it's okay to be optimistic in not only your storytelling, but also your reception of, of these stories. Um, that we don't need to look for the negative and look for the bad in every story that we see, that we can appreciate the fact that we're comic book fans that get to continue to enjoy our comic books and also watch TV shows and movies based on those comic books and share that enthusiasm and share that passion with people who maybe would never pick up a comic book or, or maybe had never. Um, it's great. It's, it's, it's a great time to be, you know, a, a nerd or a geek or whatever, because really that's starting to be a thing. That's not, that's not even really a term anymore. You know, 
nobody nobody in schools is getting bullied for you know wearing a, a Batman shirt or a Captain America shirt anymore. You know, reading comic books is is albeit still a niche hobby, but uh, not near as much as as it was at one point in terms of social acceptance. It's not something that you have to shy away from or hide from people anymore. And so there's no reason to treat it like that. Um, and yeah, it's 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 just nice to see this optimism uh, kind of restored to these comics. And in the text of Rebirth, it was pretty clearly stated that uh, they know they went wrong. And that they, they're basically just acknowledging that they lost the things that made these characters great. And they're going to do everything they can to, to bring that back. Um, and that's really exciting for me because it's not often a publisher ever just flat out says we messed up, you know, with, with any company, you know, typically they'll just sort of move on and not acknowledge it. Uh, but DC is facing it head on and just going, yeah, we, we made mistakes. Um, and that's, uh, that's hard to do, especially from a PR standpoint, because many, many marketing and PR people are going to try and stop that from happening, but, uh, it happened nonetheless. And, uh, I think that's a good thing and it's, it's good for, even big companies to still hold themselves accountable to their fans. Um, and with that being said, I, the fact that Jeff Johns wrote this and is now stepping into his role as the, the head of DC films, uh, I think is awesome because if there's anything they need right now, it's a little more optimism, um, in sort of transitioning away from the Snyder era of films, the Frank Miller inspired films and stepping into a, a, larger universe uh with dc into films like aquaman and the flash um and cyborg and uh all of the others that they have especially wonder woman coming up um and uh and it's it's time for some fun so i'm excited um really quick i'll just uh talk about uh the flash uh season two just ended uh with a cliffhanger that seems to suggest that they are going uh to go all the way in terms of flash storytelling and tell the flashpoint story or or some version of it um and i won't get too deep into it but uh the way this season ended the last episode especially i thought was absolutely brilliant and it will be insanely difficult for them to pull off this storyline in uh in tv but if they can do it then they will achieve one of i think the greatest things that's ever been done on television um if you're curious about uh the flashpoint storyline um which is a fantastic storyline. Uh, you can go pick up the Flashpoint comic book, or uh, you can hop on Netflix, just search Flashpoint, all one word, um, and there's an animated movie from DC called uh, Justice League, The Flashpoint Paradox. Um, and that pretty much tells mostly the exact same story. There's a few details left out and things like that, but uh, man, it's a compelling and fun story. Um, uh, basically, Barry Allen goes back in time uh, to save his mother, uh, save her from being killed, and in doing so creates an entirely alternate reality uh, in a much harsher world and one that's uh, nearly unrecognizable from his own um, and has to work his way back uh, to his own universe while also doing his best to, uh, to help out the universe that he's currently occupying. Um, awesome awesome story there's some great batman stuff in there there's some awesome aquaman and wonder woman stuff uh really just a, a really cool film to watch so uh i definitely recommend checking that out um and uh that pretty much wraps it up for this week um so uh i want to thank y'all for listening um and thanks for for bearing with us uh while we go through this uh transition up ahead um it's uh it might be a little bit of a rocky road as we uh get back into the mix of things and especially as I'm uh moving and and in all likelihood I'm going to be thoroughly thoroughly busy um but I'm really really excited for uh, the things that we have planned for the future um and uh and I hope you are too um so like I said there will be more announcements soon uh, just make sure you're following us on our social media uh any social network at that might be cool uh, we do use our Facebook probably the most frequently, uh, but we'll uh, continue to use our uh, our other platforms uh, as much as we can. Um, and also check out the new thatmightbecool.com. That's where you'll find uh, all of our podcasts, our YouTube links, um, our our new subreddit, all sorts of things like that. So uh, feel free to check it out. Uh, leave us you know your ratings, reviews. Uh, be sure to subscribe to us and uh, have a good week. 